0: Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Now, here's
1: your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenty's Redemption podcast. Here we go again with uh, another section of Acts chapter 1. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for caring. Thank you for praying. Thank you for all the wonderful things that you do on our behalf. We we greatly appreciate it. Um, We're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 1 and uh, go through verses uh, 6 through 11 together today. I hope you've had time to listen to... The, the two parts on uh, the first five verses of Acts, and I uh, hope they were a blessing and a help to you, and and uh, if you have questions about them, shoot me an email or if there's something I can help with or clarify or, or whatever the case may be, just let me know. I I, I have appreciated those of you who have, who have interacted with me uh, through some of this. Some of you have very good observations, encouragement, questions, haven't had anything negative so far, so... <laughs> uh hopefully it'll stay that way. I I appreciate that. Um but now we're going to talk about the 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 kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God and we're going to talk about the ascension of Jesus Christ and I believe I have some interesting things to show you in that regard. Uh that this portion of scripture has one of my favorite um realities, I guess you could say that it that it brings out uh, to look into. So So I'm excited about it. Let's read verses 6 through 11. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And under the uttermost part of the earth, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight and while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up, behold two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing in, up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into." heaven. So uh, it's a, an interesting portion of Scripture, some good things to get into. Now, the, the first idea that we want to talk about is the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. Um, it's amazing to me that that the the disciples, after all they've gone through this past week, the, the, the previous week leading up to the death of Christ, the Garden of Gethsemane, his arrest, his mock trial, his his actual trial before Pilate is being crucified. I mean, all the things that led up to, to where they are now, they're, they're um, sort of dismayed, wondering what's going on. Then the Lord rises, and he's fellowshipping with them, giving them instruction. And so they get an opportunity to talk to the resurrected Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the first thing they ask him is, can we have the kingdom now? <laughs> it's like, you, you guys are amazing, man. That, that, those Jews... For good reason, I suppose they want that kingdom. Uh, they desire that kingdom. They are looking for that kingdom, and um, and and even even the disciples did the same. And so, uh, th- their question is, "Lord, wilt thou, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" And the Lord immediately informs them that the kingdom is none of their business. Now, as as a Jew, the king the kingdom is their business. They are they are looking for the signs, the coming of the kingdom. Though the Lord said there will be no signs. It's coming as a thief in the night. You just, you better be ready. All right. There's no signs. There's no seasons. There's nothing that's going to indicate to you that Jesus Christ is, is going to rapture the church or that the tribulation is about to come. Uh, you, you, you basically have two things to look for. When that figure we know as the Antichrist comes out of those ten kingdoms and he makes a, a covenant with Israel for seven years, you know, something's about to go down. (laughs) Um, When you read Matthew 24, the Lord, you know, they ask the Lord, what is the sign of thy coming? And then he goes through an entire list of things basically to say, these are, let, let me, let me give you what are not the signs of my coming. And so he goes all the way through the, you know, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, famines, all that. He's like, these are the beginning of sorrows which, by the way, would take you all the way back to Genesis, Genesis 3. In sorrow, will the, will, that, will the woman give give labor and, 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 and have a child? And so, um, th- these things are life in a sin-cursed world. That's what they are. They have nothing to do with the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, those things, once the tribulation starts, the time of Jacob's trouble the The things that the Lord named and and identified as part of living in a sin cursed world will intensify greatly right so so they're what's happening now though it's it's just the natural order of a sin cursed world um they they are gonna happen on in a magnitude we can't understand when the tribulation starts so when that comes it's it's gonna be rough uh I won't be here. <laughs> I will be caught up by the Lord in the air uh, along with the rest of the body of Christ and then we will ever be with the Lord. All right? So that that's that's our lot in this matter. Uh that's why the kingdom of heaven, the physical earthly kingdom is not our concern, at least not right now. Maybe later when we come back with Christ, we can put we can be concerned about it. But right now it's not our concern. And the Lord makes that very clear in this in this chapter. Uh the kingdom no longer has anything to do with these men, all right? Once they cross, you know, some of them, uh, the majority of them, I, I suppose, are Jews, and not all of them, but most of them. And so even even the ones, even the few who were, who were Gentiles, once they trusted in Jesus Christ, they abandoned whatever it was they were, they are in the flesh. They are now part of the body of Christ. So you don't get to, you don't get to hold, you don't get to cling to some sort of uh, fleshly attachment to who you are in the kingdom of heaven. You're supposed to cling to the fact that you now have put on Christ. You are in the body of Christ. Your skin color, your culture, your background, your country, what, whatever it is that, that your flesh is attached to, no longer counts. It's gone. That, that includes the Jew who's looking for the kingdom. Once you trust in Jesus Christ, you abandoned all that. It's gone. It's over. So um, look, again, look again at verse 6. Let's, let's get a little more context here. Let's try to reframe this. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to, uh, to Israel? Now, that, that is a direct reference to the kingdom of heaven as preached in the book of Matthew. Uh, and, and that's what they're asking for. Can we have the kingdom now? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it time for the kingdom now? But, but look at verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The Lord is putting an explanation point on this. He's telling them, your focus is the kingdom of God. It is not the kingdom of heaven. The same is true for me and, 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 and for you. Our focus is not the kingdom of heaven. We are, we are supposed to be directly focused on the things of the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our focus during this, this period of time we've been, we've been allotted called the church age. Now, before the church age, the Lord was focused on the Jews and the kingdom of heaven, after the church age, the Lord will return back to his focus on the Jews and the kingdom of heaven. In between, preach the gospel, build the kingdom of God, get as many people into the body of Christ as you can, teach as many people the word of God as you can. It, it's, it's, it's all spiritual. It's not physical, earthly. It's, it's spiritual. Though, though we carry out these duties and responsibilities here on the earth, the idea is, is for us to, to help uh, do our part to build the spiritual kingdom, if that, that makes sense, if we can put it that way. Um, that, that's the lot that the Lord has given us, and it's a blessing. It's a great opportunity. And we, we want to be faithful to it and make sure that we're doing our part in those things. So the kingdom of heaven will not be in focus again until the Lord returns and puts down the Gentile powers. Um, e- even before that, during the tribulation, as soon as the church is gone, all right, so if we, we've, been learning, we've been studying the book of Daniel recently. And in Daniel 2, the Lord laid out the, the Gentile powers as they would come. And so you have Babylon. It begins with Babylon. When Judah, when Judah is taken out of the land and taken captive, there, is, there, there are now, at that point, Israel has already gone into Assyria. Judah is taken into, into Babylon. Now God's nation is gone. Any, any part of it. Now, there were a few poor left in the land and all of that. and We, we, we get all that. But the reality is the, the, the nation is gone. The Lord had the temple destroyed. Jerusalem burned to the ground. At that point, Israel no longer has temporarily, they, no, they have no right to their land. It's not theirs at this time. Right now, everything, everything in the world is, is under Gentile domination. If you look when the Lord sends in Ezra, when the Lord sends them back, Cyrus, a Gentile king gives them permission to go back. Uh, If you look in uh, and he gives them permission to go back and build their temple, that's what he's telling them to do. And then Darius comes along and he says, yeah, you have permission to build your temple. Again, a Gentile king. Um, then, Then Nehemiah comes along and he goes to Artaxerxes. Would you give me permission to go build Jerusalem? Sure. Permission from a Gentile king. Uh, today that, that little tiny nation of people that we call Israel in the Middle East, that was created by England and the United Nations. Uh, and if, if they want to do anything, they have to go back to the Gentiles and explain themselves or get permission at the United Nations. And they got to deal with all these treaties and all this garbage because they are subject to Gentile domination until Jesus Christ returns. There will be no kingdom of heaven until the Lord established. There, there will be no kingdom of heaven with the Messiah at the head. David on his throne, Israel ruling and reigning over the nations until Jesus Christ returns and establishes that order. Until then, they're dispersed, they're scattered, um, they're 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 dominated by Gentiles, and that's the way it's going to be until Jesus Christ gets back. Now, our purpose and all that is to is to try and uh, take as many people out of the Gentiles and out of Israel this possible and add them to the body of Christ. Let me let me show you this. Go let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and look, let's look at verses 31 through 33. Verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of God. Give none offence neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. Those are your three options. You're not a a black Jew or a white Jew. You're not a black Gentile or a white Gentile. You're not a black member of the church of God or a white member of the church of God. You are either a Jew, a Gentile, or the church of God. That's it. Those are your options, according to God. Now, you know, the world will give you far more numerous, innumerable categories for you to try and identify yourself with and attach yourself to. That's life in the world. That's not life in Christianity. In Christianity, we're in the body of Christ. Your skin color, your culture, your background, none of that matters. It's not helpful. It's not going to take you anywhere. Uh, Being born with a certain color of skin is not an accomplishment in life. It won't get you anywhere. It doesn't come with any privilege. In fact, it probably comes with a set of responsibilities that you wish you didn't have. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, that's, not, that's not who we are. It's not what we do. Verse 33, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. We want, we want them saved so they can be removed from the unfortunate reality of being a Jew and the unfortunate reality of being a Gentile. Right, now, you're still going to live life in this world, but you're supposed to be separate, different, Peculiar. You're not supposed to be going with the course of the world. You're supposed to live in this world, uh, be friends with the unrighteous mammon of this world, and still stand, take God, a godly stance in accord with the word of God in such a way that you, that you help draw people out of this world. You're not supposed to go with the world, pretend to be like them, and say, oh, by the way, let me sneak a little bit of Jesus in here. That's not how it works. They're supposed to know that you're, you're, you're in opposition to them, but also that you're loving and kind and gracious. Both have to be true. And and so that, that's our lot as Christians trying to get along in a sin-cursed world, um, and, and trying to be and trying to recognize the fundamental differences between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And the responsibilities within each are are drastically different. There there, there are some you're gonna find some overlap between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, but the differences are striking. They are they are incredibly different. They are not the same thing, and so you, you you've you've got to note that and be careful. It's part of rightly dividing. Um, it's 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 a part of if you want to properly understand the word of God. You've got to denote this difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. You have to know the difference between the Jew, the Gentile, and the Church of God. Uh, all three, God God. Deals with all three slightly differently, and all three have different responsibilities within the Word of God, and, and and all sorts of different realities that come along with that. And so you've got to note those differences, or you're gonna you're gonna find yourself really confused about something. Uh, the better you understand that, the, the 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 more it opens the Word of God up to you. The more it makes sense, the more things fit in place, and and timelines and responsibilities and and uh, uh, godly realities all start to lay out in, in a way that makes sense and, and is helpful. All right, so uh, that, that's the Lord dealing with the kingdom. Now, just real quick, go back to Acts chapter 1, and let's, let's follow this line of thinking. Verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And, and of course, he gives his answer, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know man that is and that puts an end to well i think we can know the times and the seasons it is not for you to know well i think we can know you know what, what the lord will start, the lord will give us some some idea of it is not for you to know stay away from it and now you have people saying well the lord uh you know, he he says you can know the the time and the hour, but you can't know the, no, it's not for you to know. You don't know. The indication is the Lord himself may not know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. All right, so that, that, you know, and and then in fact, he continues with that. Look at um, the rest of the verse. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. All right, so whatever you think is, is descriptive of the time of the Lord's coming, you're wrong. Whatever you think is a season of the Lord's coming, you're wrong. The Lord said, it is not for you to know. It's not available for you to know. You're part of the church of God. It's not even, it's not even supposed to be in your purview. You're not even supposed to be focused on it. Um, And so people say, oh, there's an earthquake. That's a sign. The Lord said in Matthew 24, that that's just life. Oh, there's, there's famine and pestilence. When has there not been famine and pestilence? When has that not existed? Oh, there's wars and rumors of wars. Really? That, that has existed since Cain killed Abel. Right? So those are not signs of the coming of the Lord. In fact, if you read Matthew 24, he said, you want a sign? When you see the abomination of desolation set up in the, in, in, in the most holy place, then <laughs> run. I'm, you got three and a half years. And then I'm coming, All right? So now for us, that is unbelievably, it's, it's interesting. It's good to know. It's, it's instructive, but it's unimportant to us because we're not going to be here. When, when, that, when that Antichrist makes that covenant with the Jews, the church is gone. And so it's not for us to know the times or the seasons, which the father, the father hath put in his own power. that's the Lord Jesus Christ saying, my father has this in his hands. You you don't need to worry about it. But verse eight, but let's, let's shift the conversation again. All right. So in verse three, I told you, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Here we are in verse six. You're asking me about the kingdom of heaven. Now I'm going to shift the conversation back to the kingdom of God. Verse eight, but you shall receive power after that. The Holy ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's it. I'm giving you power. It's called the Holy Spirit. Oh, what's he going to help me do? Be a witness. He's going to help you tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, but what about speaking in tongues and healing and bringing people from the dead and all that? No, he's going to help you be a witness. Why don't you just try telling somebody about Jesus Christ before you focus on speaking in tongues <laughs> Why don't you try to witness to somebody and lead them to the Lord for you work before you, you, you get spun up about raising somebody from the dead, All right? The purpose of the Holy spirit, according to this verse is to help you be a witness in the entire earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and as far as you can go. All right. And so that's the purpose. That's the reason that's what it's here for. Uh, that's what we're supposed to be focused on that's that's what we should be doing all of that is, is is it's detrimental it's unbelievably important and and i'm afraid we um we get too focused on things that don't matter and we leave the things that that do matter undone we get dismayed by the things that don't matter and they and that and that encourages us to leave undone the things that do matter be a witness tell people about jesus christ you don't have the Holy Spirit just for the fun of it. Uh, he's there to, to, to take you into all the world and to preach the word that he wrote to every creature. And, and that's our responsibility. That's our job. That's what the Lord wants us to do. So now ye shall receive power. First, they are not sent out in the Old Testament standard. They will receive God himself into their body. That's a phenomenal truth. And he will work with them, empowering them to accomplish their task. Now, when I think of men like Daniel, man, Daniel is a—you you want to aspire to be great? Be like Daniel. Try to be Daniel. But this is what's amazing: Daniel did that with no Holy Spirit, so far as we know. Daniel lived. He was every testimony of Daniel. He has an excellent spirit. He is beloved in heaven. In heaven, not just on earth around people who know him and, and, and spend time with him. God said, Gabriel, go down there and tell him, man, we love him. <laughs> it's amazing. Now we have the Holy Spirit and we, it's like we can't do a fraction of what, what Daniel was able to do with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So they, they are empowered to accomplish their task by the Holy Spirit. Um, this is very different from anything previous. They're also being sent out to all the world uh they're not like an old testament prophet sent to correct israel or or a localized group of people now in missions we often get uh too focused on a locality uh rather than the the innumerable people around the world who need the gospel and and so you know we we get so spun up in missions like um you know i, I am a missionary in uganda as though i'm not allowed to preach the gospel anywhere else in the world i have to be in uganda doing it or or my churches look at me and say, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> Our supporting churches, and so now we, we've got a good group of supporting churches. Um, mostly, <laughs> no, we've got a really good group of supporting churches, and and they've been a blessing. They pray for us, they care for us, they support us. It's been great. Um, but but generally speaking, in missions, the focus become we're hyper focused on a locality rather than the people and that lack of attention to the people is striking and it and it it puts un, unnecessary limitations on uh, what we end up doing and how we end up uh, functioning as missionaries and and so I, I, there needs to be some breakdown in some of that the lord i mean think about what the lord said judea you know jerusalem judea samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth <laughs> where where exactly is the uttermost it's everywhere. And, and it, it seems to be the indication is, I do want you to start with a certain group of people, Jerusalem. And then I want you to move to another locality, another group of people, Judea. And then I want you to go to Samaria, another locality. Okay, well, where do we go after that, Lord? Everywhere. After that's done, after Christianity is established in those places, everywhere, everyone, every creature. And, and so the Holy Spirit is there to help us Accomplish this. Um, their message is to get out of Israel and into the body by trusting Christ. So this is not a prophet; it's not an Old Testament prophet being sent to to uh, warn of of you know God's wrath coming because of your behavior or, or whatever the case may be, or or something that Israel was doing. This is God saying, "Abandon all that. Trust in Jesus Christ. I'll forgive your sins. Wash you in His blood and save your soul." And so this was going to be quite a stir when, when that message is preached. They are witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is not given to make you happy. That is not his purpose. That's not why he's there. He's not there to make you happy and healthy and prosperous and all those things. that um, It'd be nice, I think, I suppose, uh, but that's not why he's there. The Holy Spirit is there. He is given to us to enable us to be godly witnesses of Jesus Christ. That's the end goal. It's not your personal prosperity or happiness or healthiness or, or any other temporal matter. The entire purpose of us receiving the Holy Spirit is, is to seal us until the day of redemption and to empower us to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. All right, now you might be able to find a few other points there, but they will tend to one of those two. They will be for the purpose of one of those two. You know, the, the convicting the world of, our, of righteousness, preaching the gospel. Uh, I mean, just what, whatever you can find, it'll, it'll tend to one of those two. That, that's, that's the way it's going to go. From here, 22 times someone will lift their voice in public and preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not in a synagogue, not in a church. Now they did preach the gospel in synagogues. They, I'm certain, if they had the letters and they're preaching through them, or or whatever the case may be, in, in a in a church type setting. You know, they um, for the most part that they didn't have church settings to the extent that we do now. Um, but we we have a very special situation now where we can just sit in our own building together and and um and teach the bible and preach the gospel and do all these these wonderful things they rarely had that type of luxury but if you look at the word preach in in the book of acts it's it's always i mean you it's rare you'll find it outside the context of one of god's disciples or apostles lifting up his voice in public to lost people preaching the gospel to them That's always how it's done in the Old Testament when God wanted unbelieving Israel or unbelieving Nineveh or or whoever it was to to have his word and to believe his word. What was the process that prophet walked right? Jonah walked right into the middle of town and started preaching in the markets, in the streets, in the neighborhoods, walking around the city, preaching out loud for everybody to hear. That's the way it was done. So the way it was done in the New Testament, the way it was done in the Old Testament, why isn't it done that way today? Why is it that a tiny fraction of Christians today actually go out and do that? It's you know, you you look at the LGBTQ plus <laughs> garbage, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. When they want to recruit, when they want to add, when they want to build upon their movement, where do they go? Straight to the streets you can't get a christian to go outside and lift up the name of jesus for the for for a million dollars i mean they might do it for a million dollars but i have my doubts for many it's like they're they're embarrassed to go out and lift up the name of jesus christ and it should not be that way uh, so they always preached publicly um and and you know you don't have to go out and you know lift up your voice you can hold a sign you can pass out tracts i mean There are a number of ways to get this accomplished, but we are supposed to be out in the public sphere, in the markets, in the streets, in the neighborhoods, on the street corners, respectfully, as best we can, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost souls, reminding people that judgment is coming, reminding people that Christ died for their sins. It's unbelievably important, and it's unbelievably lacking, and so I I hope that Maybe it will encourage you to change that if if you, for some reason, have not been a part. Now, as the disciples are sent into all the world, they go with a plan. I will build my church. That's what Jesus said. The goal is to preach the gospel. By that preaching, souls would be saved and added to the body of Christ. Now, it's great if they're added to your local assembly, but th- while that that is... Part of this, that's not necessarily the end goal. The end goal is to get them into the body of Christ. If they properly get into the body of Christ, then there's a good chance that these, these other things that we would like to see will follow. Uh, the souls saved would be organized into local assemblies responsible for continuing that same work worldwide, once they're organized, after they're saved. The disciples begin this conversation by asking about the kingdom. The kingdom. And the Lord defers them to be witnesses. He changes that. We're not, we're not going to talk about you being in the kingdom. You, you need to go be a witness. That's you're in the kingdom of God now. That's what that's your focus. We have the same problem today. Too many Christians want God to grant them their idea of the kingdom of heaven. Um they want their political, their, their politician to be president or in parliament or in Congress or Senate or to be a judge or whatever the case may be the lord's response is still the same. The condition of the kingdom of heaven is none of your concern. If you want to affect change in the kingdom of heaven, go preach the gospel, go teach somebody the Bible, help someone to understand the word of god that's where you're, that's where the change is going to come from. apart from that you're you're not going to evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse and some of the worst of those evil men and seducers are politicians. <laughs> uh, the, the Bible tells us clearly governments are going to devolve into what will, what, into a, an organization or, or a confederation of 10 kings that are going to produce the Antichrist. That's what's coming. Now, I, I hope we can maintain freedom and liberty and 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 in as, as many countries as possible for as long as we can to preach the gospel and and, and to freely, um, serve the Lord. But, you know, I, I don't know how long that's going to last. It's not looking good. And so, so we've got to stay focused on the kingdom of God and, and do what the Lord asks us to do. Um, the Lord has enabled us to endure the most tyrannical of governments to spread the gospel. Christians have been imprisoned, beaten, burned, hung, strangled, and any number of other devilish persecutions, but they endured those things for the sake of the gospel, not not to win a government over, but to get the gospel out. The Lord helped them through it and planned a greater resurrection for them in heaven, but he often did not take it away, preached the gospel, not politics. That's our focus. That's, our, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So that... that This focus on the kingdom of heaven, it's it's inordinate and um, to to a large extent needs to be done away with. Our focus on the kingdom of God. Now, I don't believe abortion is a political matter. It's a spiritual problem. I don't believe homosexuality is a a political matter. It's a spiritual problem. Uh, I I don't believe, um, you know, what what we call, what we look at as the the cultural wars or the cultural battles or the social issues within within you know politics I, I, I think those are spiritual problems. Now banning abortion clinics is not the solution. I praise God that they overturned Roe versus Wade, but that that didn't get rid of abortion, though some people think it did. It, it absolutely did not it It allowed some states to have the freedom to ban abortion, but you still have millions of people within those states who are going who are going to fight to get it back and and they want it uh, so so that praise God for a legal system that will aban- that will abandon those things and and make them illegal. Praise the Lord, but that 's not the solution if you don 't change the hearts and the minds of the people who who live in that section or that, that sector of the kingdom of heaven, it's just going to come right back. It, it won't be long, and something even worse is going to be put in place. All right, so, so the answer, the solution is not the legal process, though we would love to see a legal process that facilitates righteousness. That, that would be good. That would be wonderful. Uh, but you can't legislate Christianity. And these are heart matters. These are spiritual problems that need to be dealt with and that, that um, we need the Lord's help with. Okay, now a cloud received him. This cloud took, them, took him out of their sight. The Lord often travels in a cloud, sometimes coming, sometimes going. It's, it's, it's common to see this with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so I want to show you a few things real fast about this. Let's, let's look at a few references. Um, Matthew 24, 30. And we'll see this, um, this often connection between the Lord coming and going in a cloud. Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. All right, now that's immediately after. He said, you want a sign of my coming? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, <laughs> that's in verse 29, then verse 30, he says, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. So you want a sign of my coming? Well, you got to wait till after the tribulation. That's when you'll get your sign. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't be focused on the sign. Uh, next, let's look at Matthew 26, 64. Matthew 26 and verse 64. Jesus saith unto him thou hast said nevertheless i say unto you hereafter ye shall shall ye see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven look at 1 Thessalonians 4:17 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 17 then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the Lord's going to, he often comes in clouds. And of course, when he takes the church away, we're going to be called up to meet him in the clouds. It's a common thing. Look at Daniel 7. Daniel 7. We've been studying the book of Daniel in Bible school. And uh, that audio is on sermon audio. Uh, If you're interested in those types of things, it's there for your listening pleasure. Uh, Verse 13 I saw in the night, I saw in the night vision and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Uh, This is the Lord just before this, the, the, um, the ancient of days, the father goes into the, what appears to be the second heaven. And it looks like he judges the principalities and powers there in the second heaven. And he strips them of their dominion. You know, the, the, Satan is, is the God of this earth. He's, he's, he told Jesus, all, the, all these kingdoms, they belong to me. I can give them to you if you want. And, and Jesus said, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't, I don't want them from you. Um, so the father goes into the second heaven, strips them of their dominion, judges them, deals with the beast. And, um, and then it looks like the Lord Jesus Christ goes to meet him there in the clouds. And, and, and his father gives him that dominion. And then he comes down to the earth for his second coming and establishes his kingdom. It's exciting stuff. It's really incredible. So uh, I hope you'll take some time to listen to it. Look at Revelation 1 and verse 7. Revelation 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they which also pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Uh, so the Lord the Lord will be coming in clouds. let's look at one more revelation fourteen verse fourteen and I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of man, having uh, on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle, and that's the Lord the Lord Jesus Christ will be coming. Uh, He'll rapture his church away before the tribulation. There will be seven years of tribulation based on that covenant made between the Antichrist and 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 the Jews. Uh once that seven-year period is um, accomplished, Jesus Christ will return. You can read about the battles that'll take place when he comes back on earth in in Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. Those chapters lay that out very well. And uh, of course, you could also read about it in in the book of Revelation and and uh Daniel details some of it there's there you know it's all over the bible here a little there a little line upon line precept upon precept uh it's exciting stuff to know what's going to happen and uh it'll happen exactly as the lord said you know god god said i i established babylon they're the head of gold you know who's going to come after them persia and then historically we we know w- without a doubt absolutely persia came after and then say you know who's going to come next it's going to be Grisha. And we know historically, without a doubt, it was Grisha. Now, the Lord didn't tell us who was going to come after that, but, but the next world empire in the Bible that has great power is Rome. And historically, it was absolutely Rome who took over after, Greece, after uh, Alexander died and, and his kingdom was split up and all that good stuff. And so, um, so I mean, that, that is an incredible level of accuracy uh, that, that, the Bible, that the Bible has and so if if it could be trusted on those details, don't you think you could trust the Lord Jesus Christ to come back in the clouds and to take you away and and take you to be with himself, just as he promised in in John fourteen, I go to prepare a place for you, and when i once I've prepared it i'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me and that's the goal that's the idea. We ask people, you want to go to heaven when you die and of course they want to go to they think they want to go to heaven when they find out that heaven is Church <laughs> on steroids—they uh, might not want to go to heaven, but uh, you know they—they they think in their mind heaven is floating around on a cloud, sipping you know uh, whatever their favorite drink is. I mean, they—they <laughs> they think it's just gonna be like a, a an eternal spa to hang out and do nothing. Um, I don't think so. It'll be it'll be focused and centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we look forward to that day. Uh, he said he's coming he said all these other things and they all came true why would that not come true if if we can trust him with those other things why, why would we not trust him with this so trust in the lord um you can you can depend upon him he'll do exactly what he said the bible says jesus is the faithful and true witness whatever he testified of he'll come and do it you can trust the lord so all right, that's our time today. I hope that was a help and a blessing to you. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you'll share it. Hope you'll study it. And uh, any questions that you have, just let me know if I, can, if I can answer them. If I can be of assistance, I'll be happy to do so. Uh, to those of you who communicate regularly, thank you so much for the feedback and the encouragement. It really is a blessing. Uh, once again, we have an announcement coming up soon that I hope you will uh, look forward to that some things we want to tell you and, and express to you. And uh, uh, other than that, thank you for listening and God bless you.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.pleniusredemption.com. You can hear more Plenius Redemption podcast audio at www.pleniusredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.